I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome as we pop into the weekend. If you are listening to this episode on your way to or from work on Friday, I hope you are all feeling relaxed and happy and have some wonderful weekend plans ahead of you. I just said weekend plans instead of weekend. I'm not redoing it. I'm just going to leave that in. I am very excited because I have Max's sister's baby shower on Sunday. Haley is so fucking pregnant. I'm so excited excited to meet her little baby girl. And I've already given so many crocheted items, but I am also giving a little baby bath that was on her registry. But on top of that, I am giving her a book that I've only given once before because I only really give it to certain parents that I think are going to appreciate it or think it's funny because it comes from me. But I love the children's book, The Feminist Baby Book. Oh, let me look at let me look up who it's by because I don't want to say the name without giving you the author by Lauren Brantz. 
And Lauren, actually, I first found her on Instagram. She made really, really cute cartoons and little comics on Instagram that I thought were adorable. And then she's made a variety of different feminist baby books, which I love. There's one that's got a little girl on it. There's one that's got a little boy on it. And then I think there's also a third one. And I can't remember what the gist of that one is, but it's so cute. And this totally isn't an ad. I don't know this person. I just genuinely really, really think this is a great gift idea for anyone who is a feminist that has a baby in their lives or they know a feminist parent in their lives or soon to be parent. It's adorable. And honestly, I think books are some of the best gifts that you can ever give to a parent because one of my favorite things to do with the children that I take care of is have reading time. Whether it's during the day to calm down a little bit and just kind of like recalibrate our emotions and our energy or whether it's right before bedtime. They always want to get as many books as possible even though my rule is three. That's my limit because there's been so many years in the past where kids will argue with me over how many books they get in a night and I'm like, I can't, I can't be reading here for an hour. You have to go to sleep. So I set some really strict boundaries with that. And then they get three songs. Anyway, that's how I do things. But I just think that books are such a wonderful tool for children. One of my little ones loves to read the books, even though she can't read yet. She just turned four. But she loves to just kind of look at each page and the pictures and come up with the story in her own imagination and say it out loud. And I think that it's just a fabulous tool for children. And it's funny that I'm talking about this. I did not plan on talking about any of this at the top of the show, but I am going to be discussing books during the third topic that I'm talking about today. So I will leave it at that for now. And let's just get into the topics right off the bat. I'm going to give you all the spiel about Patreon and reviewing and all of that at the end. But hopefully for those of you who have been with me long enough, you already know what to do. All right, so first off, late last month, a series of AI-generated sexually explicit images of Taylor Swift began circulating across social media, renewing a call for crackdowns on deepfakes. So I knew what deepfakes were. I know that that was a big part of the strike for WGA and SAG this past summer. And it's something that's already used in film a lot and television and things like that. But I wanted to be sure I knew exactly what it was because I am an old lady millennial. And it's essentially videos or images that have been digitally manipulated to replace one person's likeness convincingly with that of another. So changing the face or the body or or appearance to appear to be another person. And when I think about this, I think about one of the Star Wars movies. It was the one where Carrie Fisher rest in peace passed away during filming or right before filming and she was supposed to have a role in the movie so they had another actress do her role and then they used AI to kind of superimpose Carrie Fisher over that actor to make it look like she was performing the role they also did that in one of the Fast and Furious movies after that actor died I'm totally blanking on his name right now his last name is Paul I think oh my god I'm terrible but this is something that I know can be used in non-nefarious ways, but if it can be used in non-harmful ways, it can also be used in incredibly harmful ways. And we have seen this happen to a lot of different celebrities. It's not just Taylor Swift, but it's more than just celebrities. It's happening to the average person. 
This has become more and more common as regular Joes become more and more adept at this technology and apps make it easier and easier for people to be able to create their own content. And research shows that 98% of all AI-generated videos online are pornographic and nearly all of those targets are women. This 100% falls into the category of violence against women. And it's happening to really young women, too. Last year, a New Jersey high school discovered that a group of male students had used AI to create fake nude images of more than 30 of their female classmates and were spreading it around via group chats. Now, there is no law against deep fake porn in New Jersey, but Minnesota has a law banning the spread of non-consensual deep fake pornography that went into effect in August of 2023. Texas has barred the posting of political deep fakes, which seems like a very Texas thing to do. And California banned both practices in 2019. It's different in just about every state, and there is no federal law concerning deepfake porn, and only about 10 states have statuses completely banning it. So if this is something that you're interested in looking up for your own state or your own area, be sure to go online and look that up. I'm going to say this more later on in this topic, but I do also have a bunch of resources that I've posted in the show notes as well if you are needing those. As for the case in New Jersey, four of the girls' parents filed police reports. It is illegal to share real nude images of someone without their consent in almost every state, especially if that person is a minor. But the laws against artificial porn are much weaker. It's incredibly upsetting because I think a lot of people do not believe that the victim is a true victim of this crime because there was no physical harm. I think that there is a real lack of understanding of emotional abuse and also of abuse that occurs online and how the feelings, the reaction and the response of the victim is just as serious and just as valid as if this were happening to her physically in real life. And that's really a major shortcoming in our legal system is a lack of understanding of violence and victimhood and abuse and the different forms that abuse can take. In one article, I read about a man named Adam Dodge, who is a licensed attorney and founder of Ending Tech Enabled Abuse, or EndTab, who says that lack of safeguards, regulation, and robust legal protections puts managing the fallout onto the victim, which is incredibly re-traumatizing as well. He also gave a few tips about what to do if you become a victim of deep fake abuse. And I found this very, very informative as well. So number one, Acknowledge the harm of deepfake abuse. I mentioned this earlier and Dodge agrees. He says that victims may hear that deepfake pornography doesn't really harm the victim because the images or videos are not real. But this is not the reality. This is a form of violence, like I said, particularly against women. And that is another reason why it isn't taken as seriously because people just don't give a shit about women. Sorry, not sorry. Fake images and videos can ruin a reputation, professional prospects, and could be used by others to harass and bully the victim on and offline. And dealing with the removal of the content is exhausting and incredibly emotional for the victim as well. There are resources to help support victims, which I'm going to link in the show notes, so definitely check that out. Number two, gather evidence by documenting the content. 
Though this could be very traumatizing and difficult, it is very important to collect evidence of this crime in order to get justice. This is one of the really unfair parts of our justice system, that there needs to be sufficient evidence, which I mean, I guess that is fair. But the unfair part is that in this particular case, and in a lot of cases of abuse, it is on the victim to collect that evidence for the authorities and to be tracking this stuff and saving this stuff and finding it and searching searching it out themselves. And that can be incredibly emotionally damaging as well because they are having to relive this experience and re-traumatize themselves. But if you want to get justice, unfortunately, this is just something that you have to do. Dodge suggests that victims should do their best to document every instance of AI-based abuse via screenshots or saving images and video files. It is important for the victim to also have a very strong support system during this time. So if someone comes to you and says that they are going through this, it's very important to support them, hear them out, not to question them, not to judge them, but just to love and support them through this. Number three, issue takedown notices to platforms where the content appears. You can reach out to social media platforms where the abuse is occurring. There is detailed information about how each site handles these situations in the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative Guide that I linked in the show notes. Dodge also suggested a tool that is free, offered by StopNCII.org, a nonprofit that supports victims of non-consensual image abuse. This tool allows victims to select an image or video of them that's been shared without their consent and independently generates a way of flagging the content. This organization then shares the info they received with their partners, which includes companies like Facebook, Reddit, and TikTok. Partners are then primed to detect content that matches the generated digital fingerprint and remove any matches on its platform. Number four, make requests to de-index the images and videos from search engines themselves. Bing and Google, but who uses Bing, allows you to submit requests to de-index fake and non-consensual pornographic images and videos from their search results. I will also attach Google and Bing's step-by-step process for this in the show notes. Slide into my DMs on Instagram if you use Bing. I'm genuinely curious. And then lastly, research your legal options. If you live in a state prohibiting the creation of deep fake pornography or AI image-based abuse, you may be able to file a police report or sue the perpetrator. Internationally, sharing deep fake content is a crime in England and in Wales. Though many police departments are unprepared and lack the resources and staff to investigate these cases, so it's important to manage expectations about what's possible, much like in many other forms of violence against women. Even though the authorities are supposed to be there to help us get the justice that we deserve, unfortunately, this is not always the case. And it is certainly more likely for women of color to have a less than positive experience when dealing with authorities when coming forward with abuse as well, which is another reason why it's incredibly difficult to come forward with your story. If you or someone you know has been a victim of deep fake violence, know that it is not your fault that it's okay to reach out to a trusted person in your life and get the support you need. You do deserve justice and healing and peace, and your pain is valid. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do, With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. 
Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. All right, next I want to talk about one of my favorite shows that is becoming a little bit of a headache to me, Saturday Night Live. For those of you who, like me, are fans of the show, you may be a bit disappointed in them like I am. Last Saturday, Republican candidate Nikki Haley appeared in the opening monologue, which was a sketch of the town hall in South Carolina with Donald Trump. With SNL stars Kenan Thompson, Punky Johnson, and James Austin Johnson playing Charles Barkley, Gail King, and former President Trump, respectively. By the way, if you haven't seen James Austin Johnson's impression of Donald Trump, go look it up because it is hilarious. They did this thing for a while where, like, if you ever watch sports shows, like I unfortunately have to a lot, they'll have like a little rundown list in the corner of all of the different topics that they're going to cover in like a certain amount of time. And those little items will like light up whenever they're being discussed on the show. And so they'll have that for Trump slash James Austin Johnson, who I'm just going to call James right now because that's a really long fucking name. But he would go through it really fast like Donald Trump and it would be really, really bizarre topics. It's just, it's so fucking good. He's so funny. Google it, YouTube it, fucking bang it if you have to. Go look it up. So when James Austin Johnson's Trump began taking questions for the town hall, audience members, which were other SNL cast members, began to ask questions. Then, after a little while, fucking Nikki Haley pops up and asks, My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? As Trump has thus far refused to participate in any Republican debates, and now Nikki Haley is the only other one left in the race. Toward the end of the bit, that week's host, Iowa Dabiri, pops up and says, I was just curious, what would you say was the main cause of the Civil War? And do you think it starts with an S and ends in lavery? This was in response to an actual question Haley had been asked about what caused the Civil War, to which she did not mention slavery. Haley on SNL responded, Yep, I probably should have said that the first time. Then segued into the iconic, And live from New York, it's Saturday night! A few days later, my favorite cast member of SNL, Bowen Yang, passive-aggressively shared how he felt about Nikki Haley's appearance on the show. You know that I love a little bit of pettiness. He posted a photo on Instagram of a note addressed to Haley that reads, Welcome to Studio 8H from Lauren plus everyone at SNL. To which Bowen captioned the photo, everyone, exclamation point, and then he did the smiley face with a colon and a parentheses. A seemingly sarcastic response indicating that he didn't share the same enthusiasm for Haley's cameo as his SNL boss, Lorne Michaels. This is not the first time recently that SNL has pushed Bowen and a lot of its viewers. 
Dave Chappelle curiously popped up on stage at the end of the show on the night of January 27th, even though he hadn't hosted or appeared in any sketches. So it was super random and weird. Bowen Yang, who, if you didn't know, is gay and who largely sat out of the episode where Chappelle hosted in 2022, stood unsmiling on the farthest part of the stage from Chappelle, which went viral. But just in case you haven't seen it, I'm going to post all of these images on Instagram. And then at the end of the episode in which Nikki Haley appeared, it was announced that Shane Gillis would be hosting the following Saturday. For those of you who don't know who Shane Gillis is, Shane Gillis was fired from Saturday Night Live less than a week after being hired when it was discovered that he had used an anti-Asian slur on his podcast, which went viral. After that, more problematic clips began surfacing online and SNL had to let him go before he ever shot an episode. Gillis was hired at the same time as Bowen Yang, the show's first Asian cast member, which was pointed out as irony at the time. So why is he coming back to host? I really don't know what is up with SNL right now. It seems like they are really piling it on Bowen, and I hope it isn't intentional because I would really hate to see him go. And SNL has been known to be pretty left-leaning for the most part, at least like in a comfortable spot with the Democratic Party. So it seems really, really strange that they would be bringing all of these really problematic people onto the show. Though they did have Donald Trump on as a host when he first announced his presidential candidacy back in like 2015 or 16. So uh, it's happened before. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, lastly, I want to talk about a woman named Valentina Gomez, 24 years old, of St. Louis, Missouri, a Republican candidate for Missouri Secretary of State who posted a now viral campaign video to X on Tuesday. I still hate that I have to call it that where she lit LGBTQ plus inclusive books on fire with a flamethrower. A flamethrower! She said in the video, These books came from a Missouri public library. When I'm in office, they will burn. The two books she set ablaze appeared to be Queer, The Ultimate LGBTQ Guide for Teens, and Naked, Not Your Average Sex Encyclopedia. In the text of her post, it read MAGA and America First. The video then abruptly cuts to an image of Gomez, whose campaign website describes her as a real estate investor and financier holding a large gun. X has restricted the post visibility, adding that it may violate X's rules against hateful conduct. Michael Gomez, Valentina Gomez's campaign director, said in an emailed statement that the message is simple. You want to be gay? Fine, be gay. Just don't do it around children. 
Stop putting books in libraries about sexualization, indoctrination, and grooming of children. Children need to learn mathematics, science, developing their people skills, getting fit, while protecting their innocence, not learning the ideologies that the radical left loves to push on children. I am against all drag shows around children, pride flags in classrooms, teachers with pronouns. Oh my god, wait. <laughs> Hold on, I have to stop. I read this really er like quickly earlier when I was typing it out. <laughs> Teachers with pronouns. <laughs> I don't understand. Did everyone on the right fucking skip grammar in elementary school? Pronouns were not made up by the left. They were not made up by LGBTQ plus people or anything like that. They're just part of grammar, everyone. They're part of grammar and everyone uses pronouns. He, she, they, whatever. It's how you refer to people. And Oh my God. But we can't have teachers with pronouns. Nope. Can't, no teacher is allowed to be a he, she, they, nothing. They are just teacher. <laughs> like, is that what they mean? I just, I'm sorry. That might be one of the stupidest things I've ever read on this show. And it just totally took me away from everything. Okay, so no teachers with pronouns. People wanting to, quote, change genders. And people that can't even define what a woman is. Oh, God. If genitals don't define gender, how does removing them affirm it? I only fear God. Honey, you should be fearing a hell of a lot else because you are dumber than a pile of rocks. Jesus Christ. And this is just what I have to say about the whole don't be gay around children thing. So you are then implying that gay people do not deserve to be parents, educators, doctors, or anything regarding children. And that is disgusting and completely backward thinking. We are not in the early 1900s or even in the 50s and 60s anymore, people. This is not okay to say or think or believe. Need I remind you all of Nazi book burnings? It was a campaign conducted by the German Student Union to ceremonially burn books in Nazi Germany and Austria that were viewed as being subversive or representing ideologies opposed to Nazism. This included books written by Jewish, half-Jewish, communist, socialist, anarchist, liberal, pacifist, and sexologist authors, among others. Books on sexology are books of sexuality and would contain the genre of LGBTQ plus literature. In 1933, Nazi demonstrators raided the libraries of the Institute of Sexology, a private research institute in Berlin, which campaigned on progressive and rational grounds for LGBT rights and tolerance at the start of the first homosexual movement in Germany, which began around 1919 and would go until 1933 as Hitler rose to power. The Institute operated as a research space for studies of human sexuality, and on May 6, 1933, the Nazis took more than 20,000 books from the shelves of the library at the Institute, and they were burned days later by Nazi youth groups in the streets. The Institute's founder was Magnus Hirschfeld, who was devastated. He was Jewish and gay, and his early publications laid the groundwork for his rise to becoming one of the most prominent LGBTQ activists in the world. I added him to the list for coming out month, by the way. To me, and as it should be for everyone else, I don't see a difference between what Valentina Gomez and so many other members of the GOP are doing compared to what Nazi Germany did here. And I still cannot fathom how anyone who grew up in the same sort of education system as I did, could possibly think that it is okay to behave like a fucking Nazi, the most notorious bad guys of all time. How do you rationalize that to yourself? Fuck everything. 
I am almost certain that the book The Feminist Baby by Lauren Brantz would probably be burned if this Valentina Gomez had anything to say about it. Okay, everyone, I do want to remind you all before I get into the ending spiel that there is information regarding cyber civil rights in the show notes. If you need any sort of help or resources regarding what was discussed in the second topic of the episode, I don't want you to forget that. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining me in another mini episode. If you want even more Madigan, there's some new stuff up on Patreon. Last week, I uploaded the first episode of Mad Gabin with Madigan. I am going to be uploading another one next week. I'm going to do it every other week right now. And in the first episode, I talked a little bit about the sixth anniversary of Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. And I also answered Google's most asked questions about feminism. I actually added that second part to the end of the mini episode last week. So I hope that if you listened to that episode, you also listened to that little bit of Mad Gabin with Madigan at the end. You can listen to all of those episodes, plus all of the Angry Feminist Book Club content by joining the $5 level on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist. And if you want even more goods, you can join the Feminist Faves level, which is $8 a month, where you get all of that good stuff from the $5 level on top of getting these episodes early and ad-free. And actually, I did decide that I was going to move the wrap up of the full length episode from the feminist faves level to the Mad Gabin with Madigan level. I almost forgot. So I also upload just a short little clip every week after uploading the main full episode on Monday. It'll be up on Patreon either Monday or Tuesday usually, where I just kind of wrap up everything from that episode, maybe add a little bit more information that I wasn't able to add into the episode or any final thoughts that I have or any additional information. For example, the Ruby Bridges episode, I did a little wrap up where I talk about the McDonough 3. I had initially planned on keeping it into the episode but then when I was reading it aloud it just seemed very very out of place so I decided to add that to the wrap-up episode if you want to learn a little bit more about them and I hope to see you there I really really appreciate all of your monetary support and all of your love obviously it's not like everybody has to join the patreon but I do really 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 appreciate that help Another fantastic way to help me and the show is by going to that little Apple podcast app on your iPhone and leaving a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. You can also rate the show on Spotify. And also, if there's anything that you want to send in to me for Mad Gabin with Madigan, may it be questions, a need for advice, a topic that you want me to look into, anything, feel free to email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist and be sure to follow me there as well for all sorts of goodies there all right my dears that is all i have for you today with all of that being said i encourage you to rage on bye hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so we cover things from personal stories to hot button issues And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.